Last week on a dry sunny day, I set out to clear a shed in the back garden and to reorganise it. It looks well now and ready for the spring and summer. But later that evening, I noticed a sharp pain in the soft flesh of my left forefinger. I couldn't see anything there, so I began to think, must be rheumatism. I'm reaching the age for that. But I took a closer look and noticed a little black pinprick that shouldn't have been there and realised it was a splinter. But it was so small it was difficult to see. My wife, wife tried to squeeze it out but without success. So she put some antiseptic cream on it, covered that with a plaster and said hopefully it'll work its way out by the morning. Next morning she had another go and out it came. Hardly as big as a speck of dust and yet it was uncomfortable and could have caused infection. So small, so comfortable and possibly difficult. Well, these days, of course, we're all closed up in our homes because we're facing a very small, invisible enemy, which is widespread and highly dangerous to many people, the COVID virus. And those vulnerable are very anxious and worried. It has closed down normal life. Uh, the economy is disrupted. Livelihoods are suspended. Social interaction is restricted. It's creating unease, distress, fear, panic, helplessness. And suddenly we realise how vulnerable and mortal we all are. Life has many challenges and we are being challenged today. There is suffering in the world and we have enemies. And that's what Paul is writing about here in this section of Romans chapter 8 from verse 18. He tells us that all of creation is infected. He says it's frustrated, verse 20 of chapter 8. It's in bondage to decay. In other words, he's telling us there's beauty in the world around it and we see it breaking forth again in freshness and colour and vitality as the spring begins to unfold. We celebrate the lovely world about us and enjoy it. But within it there's also disease, infection, decay, danger and death. And then the world of humanity is affected and infected in various ways. It's infected with sin. We are all infected with sin. That's the burden of Paul's letter to this point, that it's a fact, that it's there, and how do we deal with it? Sin is really about ignoring God, our maker and creator, the giver of life, and making ourselves into gods. It's a universal infection. Nobody is exempt from it uh, at all. It has global consequences. We ignore his wise standards and make up our own as we think suits us. In the chapter 3 of the letter, Paul says, All have turned away. We do that in our thoughts, in our speaking, in what we give our hands to do, in the places our feet take us to. And like a virus, sin infects every department of our lives. Paul writes in Romans chapter 7 further of its effects. He says, what I want to do, I do not do. In other words, I know what I should be doing, but somehow or other I don't want to do it. And then he goes on to say, I do not do the good I want to do. I know what's right to do, but I'm reluctant to do it. 
But the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. We all recognise that. We have to be honest about it. And so he says we share the frustration of the created world. In chapter 7, verse 24, what a wretched man I am. He's conscious of the effects of his sinful nature. And then there is the enemy of the accuser. There are always those who want to pin blame on others, to point the finger and take pleasure in embarrassment and exposure. Paul recognises this, verse 34, where is the one who condemns? There's always somebody wanting to do that. Or who will bring any charge? And here he has us in the courtroom where charges are being brought against us. And then the scripture reminds us of the arch accuser, Satan himself, who becomes the chief prosecutor. In Revelation chapter 12, John describes him as the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night. And then there's ourselves. We can be our own enemies too. Our conscience pricks us and often condemns us. And it says to us, you know, they've got something they're right. We're not as we ought to be. And all of these voices cry loudly without and within. And so Paul, in that frustration, expresses it for us when he says in chapter 7, verse 24, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? We have fear. We are afraid of these enemies, of this suffering, of this infection. But it's Paul again who gives us the resounding answer. It is God through Jesus Christ who rescues us from this body of death. Chapter 8, verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? God, the very one who has sinned against, is the deliverer. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. God delivers us through Christ our Saviour as we put our trust and faith in him. For he does what we cannot do. He gives what we cannot achieve. The gospel is the message of God's giving. The Father gave the Son. He spared him not in order to spare us. John in chapter 3 of his gospel says, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In Jesus, the judge becomes the saviour. The father gave the son, the son gave himself. Jesus was betrayed by one close to him, Judas Iscariot. He was taken by guards and soldiers. He was condemned by the powers of the day, the Roman power represented in Pilate the governor and also in the Jewish king Herod. He was beaten and mocked and jeered at by the crowds. He was crucified. He died and was buried in a borrowed tomb. The crowd jeered at him, as Matthew tells us in chapter 27 of his gospel. They said he saved others, but he could not save himself. But in fact, the gospel tells us he gave himself in order to save you and I. This was his mission, as he himself declared, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Or Paul, picking this up in his first letter to Timothy, here is a faithful saying that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And not only that, the Son who has risen and ascended intercedes for us. 
Christ Jesus, who died, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. His ministry continues in heaven. It continues today. Us, that's you and I, and it means he's praying for us. It's a touching and very powerful thing, isn't it, to have someone praying for you. Cut off from each other and from normal church activities, there are many who are asking Christians and the Christian church to do exactly that. Please pray for me and appreciating that the prayers are being made. We're called on today to pray for the sick, for the lonely and for the frightened. Or to phone them up and tell them we are remembering them. And to pray for them live on the phone. Christ himself does so for his people. And there's no more powerful prayer than that. But why does God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit do all of this? simply because he loved us. He is the son who loved us and gave himself for us, Paul says. He gave up the glory of heaven and came to the obscurity of earth. He lived among us as a human being. He suffered and bled and died. He, the Lord of life. He took our sin, the perfect sinless son of God, and became the perfect sacrifice. And you and I, by placing our sin on him, may be free and made new in his image. Paul invites us to ponder it, to take it in, to absorb it and to live it out. If God be for us, and he means since God is for us, then who can be against us? doesn't matter who's against us if God is for us. It is Christ who saves. He does not condemn. It's his love that saves and holds. And therefore, writes Paul triumphantly, there is nothing in all creation that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're finding out these days, aren't we, what separation means. People are separated from each other. We can still communicate, but we're separate physically from each other. We can't visit. We can't socialise. We can't be with the lonely and the very ill. And friends and loved ones can't get across the world to come home again. We're understanding separation. And Jesus is, in a sense, separated from us in heaven itself. There is a vast difference between earth and heaven. And yet... There is nothing that can separate us from the love of the living Lord, for the Lord is always near. Not even death, our last and greatest enemy, because to leave this life, falling asleep in Jesus, as the scripture puts it, is to go where he has gone and to be with him. And to know Christ and his saving faith is to overcome Instead of dread, there is expectation. Paul writes of that, the whole creation groans as in the pains of childbirth. And the believer groans inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. And Paul has a picture of our our heads held high up, our necks craning forward, our eyes searching the horizon, looking for that future with expectation and eagerness and joy. 
not just release into oblivion, but for a glorious life to come. And just as a mother bears the pain of childbirth and soon forgets it because of the joy of that new life that is born. I'm sure you've watched some episodes of Escape to the Country on the television where people um, search for a new home, maybe living in cities and towns and crowded places, and they want to get out into the open spaces of the country and to enjoy it. And they visit various houses that are on offer, and you can see the expectation, the excitement building, as they see a whole new life ahead of them, a life that's different, and a life that will be exciting and enjoyable. So says Paul. With Christ as our Saviour, we can look forward to the heaven that he has prepared, to that eternal life in faith, not fear, and beholding and glimpsing something of the joy of that heaven that he has prepared, that where he is, there too we may be. So, says Paul, in Christ we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Let me finish with a quotation from John Stott in his commentary on this letter of Paul's. Our confidence is not in our love for him, which is frail, fickle and faltering, but in his love for us, which is steadfast, faithful and persevering. Thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ.